welcome. Glad that you're here. If you are new, uh, we love to worship a little bit, and then um, one of the teaching team will kind of share a few thoughts and looking at a, a series that we've been in in the book of Colossians. Um, and I'm Jack, one of the pastors here. Uh, Brian, uh, maybe you met earlier, our other pastor, and grateful to have you here. I know I met a few of you. And so as we worship a little bit, hopefully it's kind of set your heart to to receive maybe something that God has for you tonight. And so if you're jumping in, we've been in this series in Colossians, which is a New Testament book that the Apostle Paul authored under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God's preserved and protected for us that we might know him and know his wishes, his ways, his will for our lives. And in a lot of ways, the first part of the book is about theology and, and doctrine and about this theology of how we can have a solid foundation of what the gospel really is, who Jesus is. And so that's big time important. We went through that. And then kind of turning the corner last week as we got into chapter three of going into this practical application now. Okay, okay, now that you have this doctrine, now that you have this theology of Jesus, what is that, how does that work out in real life? And so we're gonna look at something tonight. But what I want you to think about first is I want you to think about the time where you ha- had worked really, really hard and like you had sweated like really bad. Like, have you ever sweated so bad that like you smell yourself? right? Have you ever been there? Uh, so like maybe it was a workout, maybe it was yard work, maybe it was on a serve Sunday. A couple times a year we cancel service and we actually serve around here. We did that in July. Remember that? If you were here July the very first year, we were like, hey, let's just do it in July, like when we meet for service at five, because that seems awesome. And <laughs> we did, and, we, and everyone lived, and that was great. Um, but the, we decided to do it in the morning the next July because we thought that wisdom is important. And so uh, a couple times a year we do that. But maybe you've done something, you've been on an adventure, maybe you went to some place that was really humid. How many of you ever been to a place that's really humid, like you walk outside and you're instantly sweating, right? <sighs> Aren't you glad that you live here? Isn't it nice? It's really nice. Now, you know, July gets a little warmer, so. But, uh, but maybe you have that. I remember a time when I was in college when a buddy, uh, Tim, called me up, and, and I've shared this story a few years back, but called up, and his dad owned this warehouse, and they had this semi-truck bringing in 40-pound bags of charcoal, and they needed unloaded onto pallets. And I remember him calling, and, and it was the two of us. And we unloaded in a, in a complete semi-truck of 40-pound charcoal bags, and... Um, I did not look this color, and my clothes, like, I threw them out because it was just so bad. And so, like, I smelled my, it, it, it was bad. So, like, maybe you've had that moment. How many of you have ever had a moment where you got really dolled up, really dressed up? Maybe it was a prom, maybe it was a wedding, whatever that might be, but you've been super dressed up before, right? Okay, a few of you. Here's what I want you to do. Turn to your neighborhood, which is two, three people right around you. Share the last time you were, like, super dressed up while I grab a prop here. All right, so maybe you you found a friend who had a similar experience and and they shared something with you. Here's what you know. Um, What is this bag here? If I just turn this around a little bit. Men's warehouse, right? What would this house in it? Okay, a suit or a tuxedo. The guys are like, I nailed an answer at church. It's awesome. Okay. Um, In here, I've got my gym bag or so. This is actually where I keep some of my yard work clothes. Uh, clothes like you wear and you do yard work and then I, I don't do it all that often but occasionally I'll do that and then I'll put them back in there because I just feel bad for the washer and so I'm just like you know 
I'm just going to wear them again. And so I got this old bag, and so I just put them in there, put them out in the garage, and it doesn't bother anybody or so. But this difference between how classy this is and how non-classy this is, right? There's a major difference, right? Like you wouldn't go to a wedding in the clothes from the bag. I mean, well, you shouldn't go to a wedding. Uh, so if you're single, like, don't do that, okay? <laughs> we care about you, and we want good things for your future. And so don't do that. Uh, but maybe you would get super dressed up as some of you talked about that. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep this in mind as we go into this sermon tonight and actually next week as well. It's kind of a two-part as we get to this section of Colossians chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up, go to Colossians chapter three, it's in the New Testament. If you open up the middle to Psalms, go right uh, quite a bit, maybe about that much. Um, and then you'd get to around Colossians, it's one of the short letters. Or if you want to follow along on your phone, you can actually open up Version, which is a free Bible app. We use that a lot. If you click on events, you can go and you'll find, uh, type in Element City Church and you'll find all the, the notes that I have uh, up there for you to see tonight. So remember, Paul is a spiritual father, right? And he's wanting what's best for this church. He's wanting what's best for this early church, for these early followers of Jesus. And he's not only wanting them to understand the theology of the gospel and who Jesus is and the significance of who he is and what he's done and what he's accomplished, but he has an aim of how he wants these folks to continue to pursue that, understand that, and have that impact how they now live. And so he's writing these things for them to see and to hear. And tonight he gets to this section that, to be honest, is a little bit challenging. Uh, the others we've kind of seen, okay, set your mind on things above. We kind of looked at that last week, and it's this idea of, okay, uh, I'm as a follower of Jesus, and if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, that's awesome that you're here, and I hope that maybe hanging around some other people who are following after Jesus, you, you kind of begin to understand, okay, wh- who is this guy, and, and what is Jesus all about, and maybe there's some curiosity going on in your mind, and, and we want to be a place where you don't have to be part of the convinced to, to be a part of our family. And so we want you to kind of be on that spiritual journey yourself, wherever you are in that. Now, if you have been walking with Christ, but this idea of, okay, I've died with Christ, it's not this idea you physically, you still have a pulse, you're here. But this, what Jesus did and accomplished for you was amazing. In fact, it's more than amazing. It's life altering. It, it changes everything. And what he did through his life and his death and his resurrection was, in essence, you got to ride his coattails, is what the scriptures unpack, that you are now seated with Christ. You are hidden in Christ. It's a phrase Paul uses often in Colossians and often in most of his writings. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. So this idea of being in Christ is a big deal to Paul. And he wants us to understand, okay, how do you set your mind on things above? How do you set your hearts on things above that we looked at last week? You can catch up online if you want. But we looked at this idea, well, it starts with understanding your resurrected position. That it's not about just your life and your living. You've been seated, you're hidden in Christ. And so you have a higher value and a higher position than you ever did to earn anything. You just got it because of the gift of God. And it's gonna take intentionality to begin to set your mind on those things. And so he's saying, look, set your mind, set your hearts on things above, and now comes this challenge, because here's what he's gonna see. There's this tension within every single one of you, within me, with every single person throughout time, within Paul himself. In fact, we'll look at a a couple verses where he wrestles with, with this. 
There's this idea of this tension that exists between the life I have in Christ and yet this life that I live in the world and all the pulls of things here. And here's what he goes, and he begins to launch out in verse five. So we'll just read a little bit, and then we'll kind of unpack. Here's what he says. Set your mind on things above. That's what he starts off with, verse one, verse two. Verse five, he gets to this place, and he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He's gonna talk about this tension existing, this idea of putting off and this idea of putting on. Put off, or put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, as anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off this old self with its practices and have put on this new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of our Creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Sicilian, slave, free, for Christ is all and is in all. He's saying, look, all these barriers, all these uh, categories that used to define people, they're no longer there. You used to walk in a certain way, and it just defined who you were. In fact, in a lot of ways, Paul's kind of giving... Uh, talking about clothes, maybe some of your, uh, your versions of the Bible talk about this, like clothe yourself in. It's this idea of the spiritual wardrobe um, makeover. Think of it that way. That that's what Paul's getting ready to go into. He said, look, you used to walk in this way. So you used to struggle with this idea of immorality and this idea of lust and these evil desires and greed. It matches who you are. What's fascinating is Paul, in three different places, right here in these uh, verses 5 through 15, he gives three lists of five things. Now, someone's going to ask me, why is it a list of three with five things? I have no idea. Scholars have argued about it, tried to figure out, okay, what does he mean? Why is it a list of three things and five things and uh, three lists and five things? And I don't know. The best I could tell is I think what Paul's doing, remember why he wrote this letter? Is he's counteracting some teachings of the early Judaizers and Gnostics who are trying to downplay Jesus and say he's not all that in a bag of chips or he's that a bag of chips in like the whole lunch buffet. He's everything. And and Paul's saying, look, I'm gonna counteract. I think what was happening is there was a list of things that was going on back then in the first century, and Paul just kind of uses that. In fact, he goes elsewhere. You can read about it in Ephesians. He gives a list similar to this. Corinthians, Romans, he gives a list similar to this, a little bit different. But Paul likes this idea of list, and he has these things. He says, look, these clothes used to mark how you lived, but you need to put them off. You, you need to put them down. You need to walk, but that's no longer who you are. You've been raised with Christ. So set your mind, set your heart on things above. These, these attitudes, these actions, these habits, these motives of your heart, it's kind of like the clothing you used to wear. But you need to let them go because they're not gonna fashion you the way that you're designed. Really, what Jesus has given you is something so much better. And this is what you need. 
and he's gonna go into that next week. And so we'll look at a little bit more of that next week, of this idea of what he's wanting you to get your mind and your heart around. This idea of put off these habits, put off these actions, these attitudes of the mind, these things. It's like the spiritual wardrobe makeover. Paul's saying you've gotta be active in this. Sexual immorality, he talks about, is the Greek word pornea. It's where we get the word pornography from. I know the reality of the culture in which we live. I know the reality, you know it too. This constant tension where we live, this oversaturated culture around sex and sexuality. In essence, what that does and what that breeds is this devaluing of this incredible gift that God's given. And we end up settling for something so much less than what it's designed for. And we make it almost this animalistic act instead of this bonding agent that God designed and created and said this is good. And he, he gave it as a gift. And so you live in a culture, and I live in that culture too, where it begins to devalue these things. It begins to put this aside, this idea of greed. And he says this is idolatry, this idea of this craving for more and more and more all the time. That you never get to a place where you're satisfied in this undercurrent of your life, it will take you to places that you don't want. In fact, you'll wake up, and instead of wearing this, you're gonna be stuck with these, and you won't even like yourself. That's kind of what Paul's saying. There's this stench that if you let yourself go in these things, it will lead to a place and lead to an opportunity where you won't like it. It may be good for a moment, but it's not full lasting. He says you need to let go of, and he goes into this second list, this idea of rage, this idea of malice and slander, a filthy language of anger. Anyone ever struggled with anger before? Can I get an amen? <laughs> I don't know anyone that really doesn't struggle with anger in some way, shape, or form, because maybe you're like the volcano and anger erupts quickly for you and maybe you're like the slow burn person that just things kind of tick away at you and it, you hide it under the surface for a while and then no one ever really knows when it's gonna happen but it will come out. Anger has a way of impacting our speech, of impacting the way that we treat people, the way we see people, the way we value or devalue people. And Paul's laying out this message saying, look, sometimes <clears throat> you need to take an inventory. Where are you at with this? And Christ really has something so much better. And you've been given something so much better. So let go, put off these old clothes that you've been walking around in and that you don't need to walk around in. I, I love sometimes, you know, churches can look at these lists and a couple thoughts on these lists. Sometimes churches can look at these lists and we rank them. Intentionally or unintentionally, we rank them and we say, well, okay, okay, Paul wrote a list and obviously sexual sin's bad and so like that's like taboo and, and that should be like here. And like gossip, that's, well, well, that's like here. It doesn't really hurt a whole lot of people. Uh, this idea of anger, well, it depends how angry you are. And, and we, we kind of put this ranking to sin sometimes. I had a mentor who <clears throat> walked down the street with his dad and his dad would say, hey, can you point out the five foot tall men 
from the six foot tall men. And they would walk down the street and they would do that. And he could point him out. And then he took him up on top of a building and he had him look over and he said, okay, can you point him out now? Well, no, from that vantage point, you, you can't tell the difference in height from there. And he said, that's how God sees sin. There's not a ranking system. We like to rank because we rank everything with list. That's why every sports team, every week we say, okay, this team is better than this team. You know, this cooking show is better than this cooking show. This car is better than this car. We love to rank. And yet, what Christ shows us throughout the New Testament is God doesn't rank uh, the stuff that makes us rank. <laughs> I guess that's how I can say it. Um, <clears throat> he doesn't rank that. What he says is, look, you've settled for this stuff. And you can wear it if you want. It's your life. But my hunch is, I think what Paul would say to you and to me, is this stuff can be part of your life, but it doesn't have to be. In fact, why don't you put that off and let me clothe you with something so much better? Let me give you something that will lead you to places that you actually want to go. Now, I know there's a desire for those other things at times, but it's really a misguided or misplaced desire. It's a desire for control. It's a desire for something else that you're trying to get met outside of God. You need to get rid of those. And so Paul's challenging and he's saying, this is what it needs to be. He recognizes there's gonna be this tension because the reality is both are here. You still live in this world, so do I. You're still surrounded by what you're surrounded by, so am I. There's this tension that will exist here. In fact, Paul talks about this tension, this battle even within himself. Here's what he says in Romans chapter seven. He says this, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Verse 20, so I find this law at work, this tension he's talking about. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Can any of you ever relate with Paul right now? Yeah, I think that's every single one of us. Here's the good news. He goes on, verse 24. What a wretched man I am, he says. I bet you've been there.